Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions. And uh, just I just think this is a great show. And these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. What is going on, everybody? It is Talking Into Infinity, and yes, I am a fat guy with a microphone, but no, I am not your regular host. It is me, Chris Aiken, from the Classic Metal Show and every other damn podcast known to man, uh, sitting in for John, who is out there at the Sammy Hagar show tonight. And But of course, I am joined with for Talking Into Infinity with the actual co-host of the show, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. Brian, how are you, man? I'm doing awesome, man. It is very cool to have you on the show. You are the guy that officially signs our paychecks, <laughs> which, you know, the date have been a few and far between, but the ones we did get, I was very appreciative of. Yeah, I think it was, what, one? <laughs> well, yeah, just one so far. But no, you know, when we first started this whole thing, so we did, I was starting to talk to John, we did three shows, I think, before you decided for, I don't know what reason, you, you well, but you knew John, so that right away it makes me question you, but you decided <laughs> to go ahead and have Talking Into Infinity and put it on the CMS network. Now, sure. can you describe what exactly is the CMS network? What does that entail? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a long, so not that long of a process, but at first it was just the classic metal show. And I had a sideshow called aftershocks, aftershocks TV. And, um, I, I, I'm a fan of podcasts like my phone. I, I have at any given time, I have 30 to 40 podcasts that I'm subscribed to. And I don't really listen to radio anymore. I listen to podcasts. So I, I was noticing the trends that everybody was kind of pooling up their podcasts. And I had a bunch of friends that had podcasts as well. So I, I just kind of was like, well, I'm promoting everybody else's podcasts anyway. Why don't I just build something that's ours? So, so I kind of did, you know, I'm a tech first and foremost, I'm technical. So I built a website and I figured out the RSS stuff for it and the, the podcasty shit. And, um, and I, you know, I, I just sort of built this network that, and then I wanted it to be kind of diverse. I didn't want it just to be, you know, classic metal show stupidity or interview in this band or that band. I, I wanted to kind of diversify a little bit and make it, make it cool. So, you know, I started adding shows that were different than what I was doing. I added pop it's corner, which is kind of like your extreme metal type stuff. And then, Right around that same time, John was starting up um, was starting up this, or he was, he had talked to me about it anyway. And as as it's no secret, and I'll and I'll say it right now, Kale, I do see your your question right here, and I'll admit <laughs> it. No, I am I am not a Dream Theater fan. I, I'm I'm really not. Um, I've interviewed those guys a bunch of times, but that being said, no, I'm definitely not a Dream Theater fan. And and that's kind of what made me 
want to have what John was doing on the show was it was something that I was never really going to cover. You know, I would do the interviews if they came up, you know, if, if I don't know, Derek Sherinian or whatever got pitched to me, I would do it. But I just always thought that it might make more sense if, if it was done by people that love it. So I watched a few of you guys' shows and um, I'll be honest, what, what, what it did was it made me go back and listen to the albums you know, you guys would like really break down the different albums and stuff. And I'd be like, all right, well, let me listen to this. And I ain't gonna lie, it, it hasn't it hasn't really <laughs> swayed me into being like, okay, well, now I get it. You know, I'm still not gonna listen to the astonishing and be like, oh shit, that thing really is awesome. You know, but um, but it, it did make me make me go back and listen to it. And I figured if it could do that to me, then it probably makes sense to promote it. So I brought you guys in and you know, it helped diversify the CMS network. So now we have the six shows. We, uh, we just added a uh, Lord Nelson from stuck Mojo doing his live and loud with the Lord, which is anything from guys that from carpenters and, and, you know, he, he's like more lifestyle type stuff as well as bands. So we have this unique kind of covering everything at this point, pop culture, pop life, music, metal, progressive metal, death metal, whatever you want. So it's just kind of a cool thing. So what is the current um, music that you, let's just say some, a few newer type bands. What is the kind of music that you generally throw on your playlist? I know you're kind of all over the place. Oh yeah. But give us some stuff like in the metal rock realm. What What's, you know, lately um, these days. Lately, I have just been like, the heaviness can't get heavy enough for me lately. I've, I don't know what's going on with me. It's, <laughs> I, I, it, in real life, when I'm not working on, on music type stuff, I listen to like Yacht Rock nonstop. It's all Rupert Holmes and Christopher Cross and oh, wow. like Air Supply and stuff like that. You know, I mean, really mellow. But when I'm doing anything involved with the network or working, it's all like Darkane or Cannibal Corpse. Or, okay. You know, I, I really listen to, I, I have a, a crazy diverse ear, like probably the most of anybody you'll ever meet. So, you know, I, I listen to a lot of stuff and, you know, I, I end up finding out stuff about bands that I didn't know. Like I just mentioned Darkane as an example. I interviewed Peter Wildor the other day from Darkane. He's the guy that found, founded Darkane. And I don't even know if you know who Darkane is, but they're like, a, they're kind of, they're really heavy. You know, that's, okay. they're like this brutal band. Well, come to find out Peter played on two of the Labrie albums. You know, and and he auditioned for Dream Theater. So it was like, well, I didn't know this, but I kind of and it's kind of how everything works for me. So out of that, at the end of the interview, I was like, hey, you know, I got these guys that are that are doing this Dream Theater show. Would you be interested in coming on their show? So now he's potentially going to come on and talk about his audition to Dream Theater. And, you know, and I mean, it, it, it's my musical eclectiveness, I think leads to a lot of guests and a lot of growth for everything on the network. And, and you guys are just one example of that, but it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. We lucked out. Cause I mean, honestly, you, you kind of started this off onto the dream theater tree of, of interviews. Like I know you were instrumental in setting up the chance Labrie from false. Yeah. It was an awesome new album out by the way. And mm -hmm. also we're going to uh, mention multiple times, um, June 25th, we are going to have the full uh, interview with James Labrie live and Chance Labrie and Paul Logue. 
That's been moved up. Uh, the time has changed to 1 p.m. Eastern time on June 25th, so do not forget that. Right. Uh, we're going to be basically just doing a deep dive, probably going track to track through the James LeBrie album and maybe get a few, uh, you know, recording, uh, you know, stories, some maybe some dream theater stories. Maybe we can sure. get uh, James and Chance to, you know, rat out their dad on some stuff we didn't <laughs> their dad or their son on some stuff we didn't know about. But I just want to plug that real quick. And also sure. coming up, actually, this Sunday, Father's Day at 2 p.m., we're going to have Rich Wilson, who did the uh, Lifting Shadows uh, Dream Theater uh, autobiography. I guess it's not autobiography, the biography. Right. And that's at 2 p.m. We're going to stream that live. And uh, so definitely feel free to come on and join the show and, and interact with Rich. And we're looking forward to that. But uh, so how many interviews would you say, like... Have you done how many podcasts? Are we like talking five thousand at this point? Like oh, Joe's yeah. podcast combined? <laughs> like yeah, I, dude, it's it, it's. I was talking to Matt that I do aftershocks with um, the other day, and um, I do in a month forty two episodes of podcasts. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I do I do ten a week. I do five classic metal show and five. Um, five chris aiken presents i do talk to me once a week and i do aftershocks once every other week okay so and i think that's all of them that i do regularly plus i i'm always game anybody invites me to do anything i'm i'm always well look i mean I'm, we're in the entertainment business if somebody says hey come on and promote your shit then you do Right. You know, and, and, you know, I got a lot of things to promote, whether it's all my shows or heavy metal television or my businesses or whatever, to whatever, you know, there's always stuff to promote. So yeah, 5,000, probably I've definitely done 5,000 interviews. I know for a fact that I've done that over the years, maybe even 10, you know, it's been a lot. <laughs> so if I have your phone right now and I'm looking down let's let's leave emails out of this what's the most famous rock star that's in your contacts phones right now oh wow in your, in your phone? um <laughs> I, I know that, a couple offhand you've told me but do, go ahead does and that count dead dead guys too because i'd never uh, take I, i'm always weird about taking dead guys yeah, out, i mean but, go ahead I, I, this is very interesting well i have i definitely have ronnie james dio's phone number in my oh, phone get out of here i do is it I, still uh, it's still all right hold it up i to don't the camera don't <laughs> no. the number i seriously <laughs> want to see this where it says dio I, I I'm not doing that. But I I have Lemmy. I have wow. Lemmy from Motorhead is is Lemmy one that's Dio in there. Is insane. Those are probably the biggest two. Um, I have Stephen Piercy's phone number. I have Don Dawkins' phone number. Um, <laughs> you know, I I mean a lot. Some of these guys I've worked with though. I mean, like right. Dawkins. I I did their website for ten years, and you know, I and doing so many interviews you know you get a lot of phone numbers and you just kind of keep a lot of phone number you know you keep them and i i've been able to become friends with a lot of these guys you know outside of just doing the interview once a year to where now you know i i call them and whatever you know i mean perfect example i'm uh johnny gioelli who's the singer of hardline and axel rudy pell and he's he's in a band called crush 40 that's like the the main the main music for the sonic the hedgehog games you know him and i are starting a business together wow. just because we've known each other for a while and it's involved with the music business and you know he knows that he knows that we'll have a, a good time so we're you know we're we're doing that now so it, it's i i've really kind of weaved my way into the industry without without a whole lot of help 
So one of the guys I remember you told me before that you said you'd hung out with multiple times and become good friends with is Jeff Tate. Can you, oh, can yeah. you share, share a couple good, one or two good Jeff Tate stories for us? What do you got? Oh, well, <laughs> dude, I have a bunch of those with Jeff. With Jeff is always, Jeff is one of them guys like, and you probably notice this if you go back and watch interviews with him. If you know your shit, he's great. If you know your shit. But if you go in and you ask him something dumb, Man, he can't wait to pounce on you and just keep pouncing on you for the entire interview. If you ask him, hey, what's it like to record with blah, blah, blah? He will be like, gee, I don't know. What do you think it's like? You know, he <laughs> he will jump your shit in a heartbeat. Uh, I've always been, I've always gotten along with Jeff really, really well. Um, I, I have a couple stories with him. Once we, we um, the when I was doing the metal show on WMMS, we... Um, we did a um, like a takeover thing with him where, where we, we, we worked it out and we got songs that he wanted. And, um, and then he came to the, he came to the station, you know, to do the, to do the show. And the funny thing was he had no way to get there. So he asked, he asked me if, if I could pick him up at the airport, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, and, and basically they wanted me to pick him up at the airport and then, take him to the hotel they were playing at like blossom or somewhere the next night so the, the the station was in downtown cleveland and um and we had to get him to akron after after doing the metal show from like 10 to midnight right so so i ended up i didn't have a minivan or something and jeff had all kinds of luggage and shit so i i had to i had to get some friends so i recruited my friend jeff who's a giant queensrike fan to do it well what ended up happening was we showed up at jeff's house at like three o'clock in the afternoon to to, to like party like pre-game to pick up jeff tate at the airport <laughs> you know so we get all fucked up just partying and having you know having a good time we go we pick up we pick up tate my friends are petrified they've never met a rock star in their life i'm all like hey what's up jeff how are you these guys are like you know, and and when we got to the station, they all stood against the wall and didn't didn't make a peep for a while. Till finally, I was like busting their chops. I literally was. I literally busted their chops. I was like, "What are you guys just gonna fucking stand there?" And Tate was like, "Yeah, you guys just gonna fucking stand there. You're making me uncomfortable." <laughs> but that, that I mean, that's just one. I mean, that night I partied with them. Not not necessarily with Jeff, but the he. We went to the hotel, and then I found the rest of the Queensryche guys in the bar. So then we ended up partying with the Queensryche guys at the bar. Um, you know, one there was a time not that long ago, John John met me. Like I, he played a little tiny place called the Kent Stage where Jordan Rudis is playing. Okay, called the Kent Stage, and it's a it's a small room. I, I think it holds like three hundred or four hundred people at the most. And Tate was there doing this acoustic thing, so. I hit up John on a, on a text. And I was like, dude, come on out, man. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty sweet. So John hits me up. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come out. So he comes out and, um, we, we meet up and we watch Tate and after Tate plays, John's like, oh man, I, I want to meet Jeff Tate. And I had passes. I had a pass for me. I'm a pass for my friend, Scotty. So I ended up, I ended up giving john my pass and john if you look on john's facebook you can see him meeting up with jeff tate in the band 
And meanwhile, I stayed at the merch table, just hit on Jeff's daughter for like a half hour. <laughs> 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 I just sat there with Amanda and just, I think her name's Amanda and just, you know, <laughs> shot the shit with her and was totally like, yeah, this is fine with me. You know, cause I've met Jeff a million times. I didn't care. So just fun, man. I, I've always, Tate's one of those guys, man. He, he's a good dude, man. If, if you know what you're talking about when, when you're talking to him, but man, if you don't look out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you not only have all of these podcasts and all these shows, you're also like a very prolific writer. Yeah. And you have like, kind of like one of the most ridiculous like stories of a personal story of like what happened to you. I don't know if you want sure. to share all oh, that. I don't care. Yeah, I wrote really, a book about it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you wrote a book about it. I mean, it's just one of the most fascinating like things to me because I've always talked to John when we have people on yeah. here and it's kind of a thing of when you, when you're successful, what, is, what does that mean? And then like, is it drive? It's always drive versus talent. And I'm always a kind of on the side of man drive will always, Oh yeah. Out Trump out Trump talent, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's not an insult. That's actually kind of a compliment, to be honest. Because sure. it takes a hell of a lot more to have drive than it does talent because you're just sort of born with that, right? Right. Well, I have no talent. I'll I'll, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I have no talent at any I, of these things. I'm, I'm not just gonna let focused. you get away with saying that, but but go ahead and tell tell your just you know, sort of the, the back part of your story. Yeah, well, I mean, that was that I mean, it's the biggest story I have is I was working in a uh in a steel mill. You know, with with all that talent and all that brain power that I have, I was working in a steel mill, you know, making steel ingots and um, and the furnace I was working on um, full of full of copper just blew up, just boom, blew up. And I took a seven ton molten shower, man. And it was um, it was bad. I mean, it was um, it was sixty nine percent burns, fifty two percent third degree with grass. You can see the nice little scars all over me, you know. Um, it took me, um, 20, was it 22 surgeries, 18 months of rehab, had to relearn to use my fingers, had to relearn to walk, was told that I wasn't going to keep my pinkies, was told that I wasn't keeping my arm, you know, was told that if I worked real hard, that I might be able to walk with a four prong walker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was bad. It was definitely bad, but I wasn't really ready to just quit. You know, and I think that's really what it came down to for me was, I, I, I mean, I remember this one meeting we had, it was my family as my mom, my dad, and my wife were there. And, um, the doctors started telling the, telling us all this shit about, oh, well, we're cutting off your fingers tomorrow and we're probably cutting off your hand and your arm because you got gangrene in your elbow. And you, if you work real hard, you might be able to walk with a walker. And blah blah blah, and I was like, "Fuck that!" You know, I, and I literally, I, I, I literally laughed at him, and I was like, "We're not doing any of that shit." And the doctor was like, "No, no, you don't understand. We have to. We have." And I was like, "No, you don't understand. If I die, I die on my own terms." You know, and and extremely selfish because I did have kids and stuff, but I was like, "Fuck it, I'm, I'm not willing to go through life without an arm." I'm not, you know, 26 years old. Now I'd probably be like, ah, whatever, you yeah. know, but back then I was just like, no, no way. I'm not doing it. And I fought through it. Um, I fought like nobody's business to get better. You know, they, cause they told me whatever you don't gain back after a year, that's kind of what you're settled into, you know? And for me, I mean, like all these fingers, as an example, all the tendons up in here, 
got burned through and they rolled back. And I still remember when I got up, I got up out of this burn exit. I didn't just immediately go into the coma. I got up and walked out of the burn room, just a mess, pouring blood everywhere. And I looked down at my hand and I saw my, you know, my bones, <laughs> it was fucked, but, but they had to reattach all these fingers. So, or the tendons in the fingers. So I had to relearn to move my fingers, you know, and, and use them. So that's that. And the weird thing is that's kind of the genesis of all of this stuff because one, I was lazy as shit before I got hurt. But once I got hurt, I had to be beyond laser focused as far as working and, and doing stuff. So I did, you know, I, I was working nonstop on getting better and whatnot. And one of the things they wanted me doing was working with, you know, with my fingers, you know, they, cause the, they were worried that I wasn't going to gain any use of the fingers back. So, um, they, first they gave me the tennis ball thing and told me, you know, squeeze the tennis ball all day long or whatever. And I, I did that for probably 30 seconds. And I was like, I ain't doing this. But then the doctor was like, well, can you type? And I was like, yeah, I can type. And so he was like, well, type every day, practice typing. So that was what led me to, I would sit in my basement and just write whatever I was thinking as I was going through shit day to day. And, um, you know, that was the start of, that was the start of me writing was, was because I had nothing else to do except heal. So, so you were like literally the dude, like not even kidding, like the dude in the Metallica one video almost. So how long were you actually in a coma for then? 21 days. Yeah. I, I mean, Twenty-one. Uh, I, I never, honestly, I sort of got, I never, like I knew you'd been through hell and back, but I had no idea. I mean, that is just like, I, you can't even, it sounds so ridiculous that you can't even fathom something like that. Yeah, you, you know what, thing. dude, it, it sounds it. I'll be honest. I'm glad that I was in the coma, to be honest, because all of the really horrendous shit, you know, all the scraping of the dead skin, because they basically, I was burned pretty much all third degree. So with the third degree burns, you know, they have to scrape all that dead skin down three layers, right? Basically right almost to the muscle off. And I slept through all that shit. You know, I, I had a bunch of weird dreams and stuff, which I wrote about in the book, you know, dreams about being, being tied up in a pirate ship and, and, wow. you know, pirates cutting on me and shit, you know, cutting on me on a wall, like weird, crazy shit like that. But I, I kind of slept through all that stuff. So it was, it was pretty cool that I slept when I slept. Yeah. If, if there's a way to be, oh, it's cool to be in a coma. I'll, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take that because I, I don't remember the harshest stuff of it. So, so your book is available on Amazon and this it is just, just to plug you, but I do want to plug it. Cause it just, I, I'm always interested in stories. Like, you know, I mean, people are cool and, and music's cool and all that, but like what's behind. Sure. It's, it's, it's such a surreal thing because like, Nobody has this story. That's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, John and I. I, I think we talked about. Uh, I tried talking about the movie Signs one time by M Night. Yeah. He thinks it's hokey because of the aliens. But the message in that movie, the idea of there's two ways of believing is is are we all just kind of wandering around and then we just you know what may somehow we bump into each other or is there right. something else at work here? And it's like this idea that like okay, well you went through all this crap. You met John, John met me, 
you know, because I, I mean, I'm, you know, and I'm just not just blowing smoke. Without you, we would not have this show. This show would be, you know, we would, we would, we would, we would have it, but it would be, it would not be the scale it has. You've like helped us push it to a whole new level. Oh, cool. And we're like super appreciative. I mean, I don't even know you know more of the numbers than me. We're like twenty some countries, and yeah, I don't know how many thousands of downloads. But it, it's, it's, but it's just like I said, it's about this idea of like being interconnected in such a weird way, and sure. And like we had to like okay, John had to meet a guy who was in a coma for fucking three weeks. I mean, <laughs> it's a really bizarre. I don't know. It's it's a. So how did you first meet John? Let's let's go back to that too. Um. Well, I was um, I was on WMMS for a while, uh, for a long while actually. Um. And and John had his band had Gatlin going at the time. And John, John and I just kind of clicked. Like he came up and did the show a couple of times. And I was a notorious dick to every band, like every band that would come on. I was a notorious dick. And, but I got along with John and, and, and I got along with his, his guitar player, Don as well, you know, so we just got to be friends, you know, over the years. And then, you know, when, when we would do like even appearances or stuff, or we used to do like, heavy metal karaoke out at out at billy morris's club and john would always come out and be supportive and whatnot and we just became friends and then um you know at at some point i owned this music magazine called music's bottom line and i actually sold it to john and his brother you know at at one point because it was when, when it started and this goes back to what we were saying before about the about the working habits after the after i got hurt I had nothing to do except recover for four years. So what did I do? I started a magazine and I, I, I built a business. You know, I, I built my first, my first legit business while I was sitting home recovering. And then it literally, it was a 24 page magazine that came out every other week. And I was doing like 90% of the work myself. I was doing 90% of the writing, all of the booking, you know, going out to shows to review the shows. I, I mean, I was a goddamn machine, you know, to make it work. And John got involved in it because he was, you know, he, he was a music fan and he saw that he could get free tickets or, you know, interview Sammy Hagar or whatever he wanted to do, you know, because I, I was always like, hey, go ahead. If I don't have to do it, I'm fine. You know, so you know, it, it, it's just, it's a long story with John. I don't know exactly that there's like one point where it's like, oh, I met this guy and we just sort of knew each other from the, from the music days, I guess. And we stayed yeah. in touch and we fell out of touch a little bit, you know, for two or three years. And then when I got divorced, I, I went looking for, for friends again to see, you know, for I went looking for anybody to to, to be there and, well, and John was the bottom of the barrel if you're scraping for John. Well, well, for you friends, know what? Right? You know what? So, sometimes a rusty hook still catches a fish, man. You know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I mean, I went looking around. And John was one of the first guys that was there, you know, to kind of pick me up when I was falling apart from my from my marriage and you know john was the first one to like grab me and give me a hug when my dad died at that you know i i did the eulogy at my dad's wake and john was the first one to come up and you know be a part a part of my world that was going going quite wrong at that moment but you know 
you know how it goes, dude, with, with friend, you know, John, John is, yeah. you know, he, I don't even think he has a heart in his, in his chest because it stays on his sleeve. I mean, he never, his heart is always out there ready to get stomped on. Yeah. But, but you know, because of that, you know, he's, he's a great friend to have and, and we do, we do what we do for each other. He said he was even with Nerf her counsel. I helped him and AJ. I can't, I'm sure he would tell you. I, I mean, I spent so much time talking to those guys, how to do intros, how to do outros. You know, they learned StreamYard from me, you yeah. know, that, you know, all the different things. And I'm always willing to help John with whatever project he's doing. And, you know, this, this band, this, this podcast was one and I heard it and it was good. I mean, if, if you guys would have sucked, I wouldn't have done it, but, but I heard it and it was, it was good. And I could see where it could easily gain some traction and yeah. i was like okay let me stick my nose in this a little bit and see if i can't help a, a little tiny bit <laughs> hey sean faust says i just found your book on amazon he's Look definitely going to read this awesome man you got a new fan there thank so you, you sean. Have, um so you have a couple of like personal type books you have the call me chris i think you have the one sort of about your relationship or your divorce and then don't you have one about the military also i do yeah, I have I have six total books so far. Okay. I have I have um Call Me Chris, which is the burn book, and I have um I have Little Victories, which was about my divorce. It's not really the the relationship of the divorce, but it was about I had spent my whole adult life married. Literally, I got married to to my my now ex when I was 19, but I dated her when I was 18. So literally my whole entire adult life was married. And then I'm 43 years old. And I'm single all of a sudden. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to turn on the fucking washing machine. You know, I mean, I didn't know anything. And so I wrote in real time, you know, just kind of, kind of drowning out the, drowning out the pain of divorce through that. So, um, so I wrote little victories to cover that element of things. And then, um, the other real book is um, is probably the most dangerous of the one. It's going to get me canceled if anybody ever reads it. But it's um, it's called "And Other Things I Should Not Say," which is my my book about my military time in Korea and in California, where I just was a psychopath running running around drinking and being being hammered all the time. So, you know. And then I have the the three music books, and those are. I have a, a series that I write called cause and effect. And um, what I do is I take a record and I um, with, with the different um, record that I, that I review or I talk about, it's something that changed something about the band, whether it's the audience or the way music was portrayed or, you know, the fan base, whatever it is. Like, and so the three I've done so far are Judas Priest Turbo, uh, Motley Crue 94, the one with uh, John Karabi, and um, Metallica Black Album. So, so I, I write those as well, you know, because I don't have enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> are those albums that at the time kind of hit you in a certain way as well, or are? I I, I or? like all three. I'll put it this way: I like all three. Um, uh, Turbo, I thought got a bad rap. I still think Turbo is a pretty good record. People yeah. like to shit on that record and say, well, other than Nostradamus, it's the worst in Judas Priest them and i'll point to ram it down right behind it and say that's 10 times worse you know that's a that is an awful awful record <laughs> but um um at motley crew it's my favorite motley crew record i'm i'm a i'm all team karabi you know he can do no wrong for me 
And Metallica Black Album, I don't know. I just was kind of, I really just started writing something there for the Metallica Black Album thing. And I just yeah. sort of wrote. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I don't know if you are this way with music, but like the older we get, we always just go back to our youth and like, it's kind of a lame side bar here but it's like summer hits like i remember my summer like basically like my either my senior year of high school or like my first or second year of college and it was like tnt tell no tales was out you know like hysteria was had come out like i don't know it's just and i have a pool not to brag i have a pool so (laughs) so i I get my you know i get my speaker out there and i bluetooth it up and it's just like i don't don't know i just it's just there's just such a nostalgia thing the older we get for this for this music and it's like it's so cool that you're able to write about and interview all these people and it's like yeah. the fact that like i don't know I, I think i'm one of those people that i don't do you think this 80s metal music is ever going to die because I, I i played it literally i played a dueling pianos party back in october right and i don't think there was 10 people there over the age of 40 Okay. And they kept coming up wanting to hear Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and Def Leppard. And I was just like, and this is two dorks playing pianos. Yeah. I I, don't don't think it'll ever die, do you? It it may, but it's still a ways away because it's still got two, it has two levels still to go before it's going to go away. All the kids that are younger right now, they all fell in love with this stuff playing Guitar Hero. Or rock band, so you know all this stuff made up rock band and guitar heroes. So they 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 were quite, kind of raised on it. So they were the generation that was raised on it. So they've all got to turn forty or fifty, and their kids will be the ones that don't get into it as much. And you know, and I think that's that's going to be a big part of it. The other big part of it is that that music hasn't quite. It's just now starting to get into the classic rock radio territory. Yep. Eventually, classic rock radio is going to sound like KLOS or WMMS back in 1988. You know, it's going to be all Poison and Motley Crue and Winger and Warrant. And, you know, that's, that day is coming, you know. And, and when that happens, then you're going to get another wave of people that listen to it. So I think it's probably the younger kids now that may not get into it. But who knows? I, I mean... It's going to outlast us. I'll put it that way. And, and as far as I'm concerned, as long as it outlasts me, I'm fine because I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I, you, you hit on a good point there with the Guitar Hero stuff because my niece, who's who's only not quite 18, I don't think, she had uh, some kind of playlist going on Spotify over here the other day with the pool on. And I'm like, right. I actually didn't mind any of it. It was, you know, it was all that kind of... <sighs> I don't know. It's it sort of sounds almost like '80s synth popish kind of stuff, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't mind because it's song oriented. I'd rather have that than some like horrible rap or some really bad bro country or something, you know. <laughs> you right. know, but it's like, the thing I noticed was like, okay, I didn't hear a single song out of the last two hours. I had a guitar. Right. So it kind of goes to your point of like, do you think? I mean, where are we ultimately? And we, I think we talked about this on a different show I was on with you, but wh- where are we headed to this with like guitar music and metal? And like, because all of these guys you interview, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are about the same age. Like, I mean, none of them are getting any younger. We're not getting any younger. Where, sure. where are we going to be in five, 10 years with this? Is this, is this just going to be like just, you're just going to up and vanish and it's gone or what? Yeah. You know, it very well could be. I mean, 
it's refreshing to see that there are some new bands that are coming out today, you know, that can really, really play. Like I, I'm, I am the biggest supporter on this planet of this band plush, which is for very young girls that are playing rock and metal. And, um, and I mean, that's refreshing that, that you've got like true talent coming up and there, and there's other bands too, the dirty honeys of the world, joyous wolf of the world, uh, um, Greta Van Fleet, if they stop listening to the critics and just make music, you know, there, there's a lot of those kind of, of bands that are out there making a lot of good noise. You know, the, the real difference is, is that right now it's all underground. It's not, none of these bands are going to be 15,000, 18,000 seat bands. They're just not going to get to that level because there's no outlet for them. Um, I mean, electronics are here to stay. I mean, that there's just, we can, we can hope all we want that four people are going to get into a hot, sweaty garage and learn how to play their instruments and come up with that Guns N' Roses magic again. That day's done, man. The, the, the truth is, is you're going to get four guys sitting in four cities that are going to be throwing MP3s back and forth and trying all their different shit, you know, with their Pro Tools or their Audacity or whatever they're going to use to make music. And yeah. I'm still a believer that at some point we are going to get music that is made by no musicians. We are, there will be a successful, there will be a successful band, quote unquote band that does not exist. That is all some studio guy that pieces together vocals and pieces together guitars and drums with machines and makes something that's successful. It's got to happen. It, it will happen at some point. Well, I mean, Trent Reznor kind of, you know, sort of does that anyway, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I love it for the, you know, for yeah. I, the, the talent that he has, but I mean, I think we're already pretty, pretty close yeah. to there, but yeah, it's, it, I don't, it's just always a weird thing. Cause you mentioned you had Lemmy in your phone and mm -hmm. did you ever, you probably heard this famous quote when he said, I remember before there was rock and roll, like, and yeah. you think of like what a small time period capsule of anything that we are in. And I don't know, oh, this yeah. sort of stuff just fascinates me. Like, Okay, we're talking about literally we're in 2022 or whatever. So we're you know almost 50 years or whatever past the Beatles at this point and which mm -hmm. kind of started it or or Elvis or or you yeah. know a lot of the 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 blues guys that people ripped off or whatever. However you want to stay where it started Chuck Berry and all this and that, but Right. It's like it's such a small microcosm in anything and you're like, oh my God, this is when rock all started. And then you just wonder, like, okay, like a hundred years from now, is this is anyone even gonna yeah, no, yeah. No. well, I mean I mean the the thing is is that without the without the major the major mechanism that we had, I mean, we had MTV, we had radio, we had all the things to push it. That we don't have that anymore, you know, and so you're gonna get what does get that, which is TV commercials and music and movies and stuff. And what is that? That's all RB rap. So this generation, this the 2015 to whenever this horrible period of music stops is going to be, um, you know, that's, what's going to dominate it. You're going to see when people talk about this era of music, they're going to talk about Jay-Z and Eminem and, um, you know, Lil Wayne and, right. you know, they're not going to, there's not one rock. I mean, who's the rock band that people would talk about from 2005 till today? <laughs> is there one? I don't know that there is really one that's, that doesn't have history before that. Two thought, yeah, that's let's just say like Nickelback. I don't know. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's a long time, man. That's 17 yeah. years. 
Right. And in 17 years, you don't have one band that has jumped up and become the next U2, Springsteen, Metallica, Rolling Stones, what, you know, pick one. You know, there's not a single one of them. There's a lot of bands that sell 3,000 tickets, 3,000 a, a place, but there's not any that are selling 20, 30, 50, 60,000. That day is done, right? At least for now, it's done. Yeah. I, so since you live in Cleveland, uh, yeah. full disclosure, I, I, we both live in the Cleveland area. Have mm -hmm. I have never been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I refuse to go kind of on principle. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't know what your thoughts are, but uh, there's no bigger hater of the rock hall than me. I think it is a disaster. It's, it's just, uh, for, I I've been through it once or twice, you know, yeah. twice I've been through it and it sucks. I mean, if you've been to a hard rock, you've seen as much good stuff as other than the ZZ top car, there's really no reason to go. Okay. You know, I, honestly, I mean, you go to the hard rocks in like Vegas or somewhere and you see like a, a dime bag guitar or a, the edges guitar from the, the Joshua tree or whatever, you know, and then you go into, you go into the rock hall and you see the napkin that James Hetfield wrote enter Sandman on big fucking deal. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, who cares? You know, it's, it's, it's not cool. The voting has gotten stupid. The whole meaning of what it's supposed to be is not there anymore. You know, when you've got bands like Deep Purple not getting in or having to wait several several iterations before they can get in on some dumb fan vote or whatever, yeah. and then you get bands like Chick getting in. I mean, I lived through the disco era. I like a lot of that stuff, to be honest. I, you know, part of part of my weird, awful musical right. taste, but I like some of that stuff as well. But in the heyday, Chick wasn't even a big band. In that era, it was all Donna Summer, maybe the Tramps. It wasn't Chick. They were just there. And they were in, why? Because somebody at the Rock Hall liked somebody in there. You know, it's there should I be no rappers in. It's it's for a lot of reasons. I think yeah, we got true. LL Cool J in there, which I'm super glad about. I still laugh every time I see that. I'm like, what are we? Yeah. I, I laugh online too because like so I think Priest officially is in on the fan vote now. Is that what we've I, I think heard? that's what or some kind of vote. Too. It wasn't it was or they got they got like the participation trophy yeah. award or something. Yeah, the band that's like sold out arenas around the yeah. world and, and sold forty yeah. million dollars and toured for fifty years. Well, let's just kind of let them in be you know. Yeah. Well but it I, makes no sense. Why did why did it take KISS so long to get in? KISS taught every band of every genre, even if you think their music sucks, which I personally do, I think their music is terrible. And that being said, you can't argue that every single band that is working today learned how to sell merchandise from watching KISS. Oh, yeah. They influenced just, everybody of every genre. It's and put on, a, put on a show and stuff. Yeah. And I, I just crack up, though, because sometimes I see these arguments about, like, well... You know, I heard that they're not going to let such and such in. Judas Priest is in, but they're not going to let such and such. I'm like, these morons took 50 years or 30 years to put this band in. You think they're going to figure out the right people that are supposed to be in? Yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that they took them this long, you you can't expect them to like remotely do this correctly. It's just like Iron Maiden's still not in, as far as I know. I'm like one of the yeah. biggest, most popular bands in the history of the world, like ever. I mean. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's a lot of those bands that are just not in. I I don't think Hall and Oates is in there. How many records has Hall and Oates sold? Oh, wow. You know, I I mean, what what have they sold? 150 million <laughs> records or something? 
I, I didn't know that. But yeah, I, I just the, the fact that Maiden isn't in there still is just like yeah. okay, other other than the Beatles, is there maybe Michael Jackson? Is there like a more just in terms of like, okay, we can go play whatever country and there's yeah. gonna be a hundred thousand people show up for a concert. And I don't care if you even like Iron Maiden or you hate Iron yeah. Maiden or you don't like metal, they're going to get a hundred thousand people show up at a festival in any country you can name in Europe, South America, you know, you know, I mean it's like yeah, it just, I mean, it's, it just it's, cracks me up. It's ridiculous. I, I, like I said, I am not a fan of it. I, um, I, I don't like the, I don't like the way the voting were. There shouldn't be any voting. You know, there shouldn't be. You should be able to. I don't know. In my mind, as dumb as this may sound, I can look at a band and just say, yeah, they belong in. You know, it's pretty easy to see Iron Maiden and just look at the a picture of the crowd at Rock and Rio and say, yep, that's a band that belongs in there. It's not that hard. You know, it's 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 dumb. The whole thing is dumb. Well, and then the fact too that we don't, and we've gone on a tangent here. Like, of course, I knew we would with me trying to host, but uh, it, you know, we don't even have the concert here. It's like, well, we got to have the concert in New York City. Yeah, and then it's like, well, so and so can play with the band, but like, you know, Kiss couldn't have Peter Chris play, or couldn't have Ace yeah. play. Or I'm like, really, you clowns can't like get over yourselves for like one night, you know? And then the management can't get over themselves to like you know shit out rock and roll all night right well and, and that's not even the half of it and then the the rock and roll hall of fame won't won't give tickets to everybody that's in the band you know they had that thing with the with steve miller band steve miller had all his guys that he wanted to bring in there and they were like well you can have these guys but if any of these other guys that have played in your band want to come it's ten thousand a ticket and it's like <laughs> wait a minute they're in the band being inducted and you're charging them 10 g's come on it's crazy Kale makes a good point. You know, you know, it's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Isn't all that when people actively turn it down? I think he's talking about Dolly Parton. Yeah, what? and he's they still right were like, "No, we want you in," and she's like, "I don't want to be in." Yeah. Well, why is Dolly Parton in the Rock? What Rock and Roll thing has Dolly Parton done? I, I don't know. I, you know. I have no idea. That's like I, Country I, I, Hall of Fame first balloter, but yeah. but Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> What's what did she do? Rock and roll is working nine to five. Is that considered not? Is that considered rock and roll? I mean, come on, that's crazy. Yeah, I I honestly don't know. I mean, I have no idea. So, what yeah. do you have like writing wise? Are you currently working on anything new, or you have ideas um, spinning around, or how does this I, thought I, process work? Do you like carry around a pad and go like, well, I'm no. going to? <laughs> not at all, dude. I the the funniest thing with my writing is it is surprisingly focused considering I have no planning at all. I, I mean, I don't, I don't write an outline. I don't plan it. I just sit down and start writing, you know, and, and I just sort of remember where I was when I stopped the last time and I pick it up wherever I go the next time. It's, I really don't plan it. And I'd go wherever, wherever the mood takes me. And sometimes that's some weird places, but um, but no, I, I don't really plan anything. I just kind of write. And, um, it's, it's weird because I, I would have never thought I had this. And this is a gift being able to write, you know, I, I know a million people that want to write a book and they all, they all hit me up and they're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to write it. I don't know how to say what I want to say. And I somehow have that ability to do it. Um, as far as what am I working on right now? I'm working on a, um, I have one, two, three books that I'm working on right now that are in some phase of writing, but I just don't have as much time as I used to. 
I'm writing a docking book right now on kind of like a retrospective of their whole, their whole existence type of a deal. And I'm working on a cause and effect book for uh, Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile. Oh, and, nice. I'm, and I'm I working on the, going to check that out. That's yeah, so that, that's a great, such a great album. And um, the other, the other cause and effect I'm working on is Megadeth's Risk, which is just a horrendous album. But Kale, <laughs> hey, Kale will defend that album to the death. Oh, he's well. all right with that one. Well, Kale, you're wrong. <laughs> this album is terrible. <laughs> hey, I always told John before, I was like, hey, at least he's listening to Megadeth. I don't care if it's a bad album. Yeah. <laughs> listen to some crappy bands. <laughs> yeah, and, and the weird Megadeth's another one of them weird bands, but I mean the first what five or six are pretty untouchable up until risk. And then after risk, it's just kind of like, you know, I thought the world needs to be honest, I, I'll I'll be surprising here. I thought the world needs a hero was definitely worse than risk. I did not like the world needs a hero at all. You know, that, that was not very good. And then they've kind of been up and down after, you know, sometimes like United abominations, I thought was pretty damn good. Dystopia. I thought was pretty good. 13. I thought was really not good. Um, what was the other one? The, the super collider. Ooh, that's I'll take, I'll take risk over super collider. That's a bad record. Yikes. But, yeah, I oh, think they're the, up and down. The most recent one, the uh, newer one, Endgame. Dystopia. I, I love oh, Endgame. Endgame and Dystopia, I think, were good. Right. Uh, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil, who's. <laughs> says, Chris, write a cause and effect book on Wham. John will definitely buy it. He probably would. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, do you want to write a cause and effect book? book about a 50 year old guy that plays in a dueling piano thing once in a while I'm sure i have a lot of stories no one gives a crap about. dude if i ever write all the books that I, that people have pitched me to write I'll, I'll never stop writing you know i i have other offers on the table to do stuff and i just can't get guys to the table like uh ronnie monroe from metal church he wanted to write a book me and him went through a bunch of conversations and then he got busy you know, then he, he's been busy with his new band, Denim and Leather, so he just doesn't have time to do it. And okay. Billy Morris and I, it's a it's a it's a standing joke for the last 15 years. We 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 even have a title, uh, the Tales of an Almost Rock Star, you know, of the, the Billy Morris thing where we tell like one really cool story about, you know, playing Pine Knob with 20,000 people for a warrant gig. And then the next the next story like this is the way we want to write it. We want to write this roller coaster. Right. One great story. And then follow it with, well, we showed up at a field and they pulled cars around to light the stage. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he's got all these crazy stories and it's like, it, it, it would be a good book. So, well, for people that don't know, Billy Morris is like kind of a Cleveland local, I guess, legend. You'd say yeah. he's played in bands around. I actually opened for kid wicked back in 1991 okay. at the Akron Agora in my, nice. in my, uh, uh, locally famous band Bang, which there I don't you know if you remember them. I remember Bang, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you were in that, but I, I definitely yeah, remember yeah, Bang. Well, yeah. well, sorry if you remember us. But <laughs> we have a we have an infamous. Um, do you have any old U.S. rocker magazines? You probably do, knowing you. I do not believe it or not. I I collect nothing, but I know somebody that does. If you're okay, looking, because we I used to I had it at one point. It was a review of our cassette we made. Okay, it was just. 
I mean, it ripped it to shreds. I mean, it, rightfully so. It was it was horrible, and I, I won't even <laughs> try to pretend we were good. I, I don't even know what we thought we were. Like we used to like dress up in like three piece suits and stuff. <laughs> it was just really <clears throat> dumb. But yeah, we opened for Kid Wicked and Billy Morris. And Billy Morris has been around forever, and then of course went on to play with Warrant and tour with Warrant, and then didn't he also do a show with? Or a tour with Paul Gilbert or something? He did. Hey, he played okay. Korea. He went to Korea with Paul Gilbert. Yeah. Billy's played in a bunch of bands. He's played in Trickster at some point. He's okay. in Tough now. You know, whenever Tough plays on this coast, he's the guitar player for Tough. I think he's... I, I know for a fact he was in Quiet Riot for a minute. He was in... He was offered the the Bobby Blotzer's Rat gig. You know, yeah. and Billy's, Billy's a great player. I mean, he really is a great player, but... You know. Oh yeah, I mean when you when you get offered to play with Paul Gilbert, okay, you know, <laughs> I mean those yeah. other bands are cool, but Paul Gilbert is not just gonna like pick anybody to play with him. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's fantastic, man. Paul Paul's a nice guy. I interviewed him like I don't know, maybe six months ago or so. The guy, he's one of those guys that shows up for the interview with the guitar in hand. And like every once in a while, he just plays something. <laughs> never, never not playing the guitar. He's in the shower. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> dude, it was totally weird. We were talking because it was right when Eddie Van Halen had passed away. So maybe it was like a year. Maybe it was like a year ago or so when I talked to Paul. But he was like, we were talking about Eddie Van Halen passed away. And all of a sudden, he just like playing Eddie Van Halen riffs and shit. I was like, nice. Getting a free concert here. <laughs> Yeah, you brought up an interesting point earlier, though. You said that, like, you don't have a plan. You just go right. And it kind of goes mm -hmm. back to what I was saying about drive. And and I, so you you have a, a bunch of podcasts you said you listen to. I don't know if you ever listened to Adam Carolla podcast. So I love oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. he's big on on drive. He calls it grit. I think grit right. and drive are kind of the same thing. But like, sure. And you're saying the same things that I hear on that podcast where someone's like, well, I want to write a book, but I don't know where to start. And it's like, you just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, you literally just have, you know, and I don't, I won't go too far off here, but I, I recently this week, this week went and recorded just a, a demo of myself just playing piano and singing in a, okay. a local studio. No big deal, but something I had been terrified to do for years, but sure. no, I needed to do if I want to try to get more gigs and stuff. And I just like, I just got to go do it. You know, I'm right. like, you know, it's like, you have to like challenge yourself and you have to just do it. There is no, you know, a Yoda. There is no try. There's only you know, yeah. Drake will right. pick out of that. But it's like, <laughs> and that's what's so cool about, you know, just kind of sort of to wrap things up, you know, just having you, you know, take on, you know, take the show on and just everything that you've been through in your life and the drive you have. And you can see how things fit together and you can see marketing and you can see business and you can see creativity. And that that's like a. That's a skill, man. That's an art oh, to thanks. kind of fit all that stuff together. I mean, I know. I mean, John's told me before. He's like, "Yeah, I don't think Aiken slept in a three days." You know, <laughs> there <laughs> is three, that. That does happen a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, and by three, you probably told him three. And it was probably six. You know, and he's like, "Well, he's oh. he's texting me at four in the morning because whatever <laughs> deal is trying to do this." And it's like, <laughs> but happen. it's like, yeah. I mean, that focus you have and that drive, and uh, you know, we just appreciate everything and being able to be on the network. And it's like, if it wasn't for you, we would not have the chance to bring interview. We definitely would not have got Jordan Rudess. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, we well, have the it, for me. It's fun, man. I mean, that's that's really, it's really the most fun that I have is being able to, you know, like like I said, I am not a creative guy. Like 
ultimately creative. I mean, I'm, I, I don't have art skill. I'm a failed drummer. I, you know, I, I, I tried music like everybody else and I sucked at it. Uh, you know, at best I'm a karaoke, I'm a good karaoke singer, but a bad band singer, you know, that's, that's kind of how I've always put it. But I, I've through drive and determination and zero fear of fucking up, you know, I, I've been able to succeed in a lot of, I, almost everything that I do, I've taught myself, you know, I mean, the tech stuff, I didn't go to school for it. I just taught myself, you know, I taught myself out of necessity. I taught myself how to build computers because I couldn't afford to, I couldn't afford to pay somebody to install a hard drive or something. So I took a computer apart and figured it out. And, you know, I built my little pinball arcade out there in Pennsylvania. I don't know shit about games. I am the worst about games, but I knew there was something I could do with it. So I figured it out. I studied it and made it work. You know, same with writing books, same with podcasting, same with everything. So pimp the pimp your uh, pinball up because we do have some East Coast listeners. It's definitely sure. worth the drive out to this joint. Yeah, well, it's it's called Pinball PA. It's just west of Pittsburgh. It is the I say little, but it's definitely not the. It's not that little. It's the fifth largest arcade in the country. Um, it's uh, we have 420 um, pinball machines and arcade games in there. Um, basically, a split: 210 pinball machines and roughly the same in the Defenders and Asteroids and Pac-Man, etc. That so. So yeah, I have that out there. If if you're like I said, it's it's just west of Pittsburgh. It's 10 minutes from the Pittsburgh airport. So if you're near the airport, you'll find it. So. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Chris, this has been an awesome episode having yeah, you on. Fun. And again, that's uh, Chris Aiken. He is from the CMS Network and he has, uh, what is your Amazon website? I, I don't know. Just look up me. Just look up Chris Aiken. I'm not the most famous Chris Aiken. There's actually this dog trainer guy that dwarfs me. Okay. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, there, it drives me. Dude, it's funny because we, him and I have emailed back and forth, you know, once or twice just because just because and I, and it's i i'm like annoyed that he's more famous than me <laughs> it it's but he's like some famous dog trainer guy okay. like he he's he's like the preeminent dog trainer in the country and but i i have to think he sees some of the crazy shit that i say on classic metal show that comes in in his name and he's probably like oh my god what is going yeah. on in my name you know right, right. <laughs> so but but yeah, if if you just look me up on Amazon, you know, if you just look up Chris Aiken, you'll find all my books and or you just go to chrisaiken.net, which is my that's where everything is, whether it's the uh Chris Aiken Presents or Classic Metal Show or Talk to Me or Heavy Metal Television or blah blah blah. Everything's there. So that's an easy way. Awesome, buddy. Well, this has been a great episode with Chris Aiken from the CMS Network. He is a single, the singular person responsible for getting us on and getting our podcast out there to the masses. A couple quick reminders, uh, guys, don't forget, uh, we had to post it up here on the screen. On June 25th, uh, James Chance and Chance Labrie and Paul Logue, we have moved that interview to 1 p.m. on June 25th. That's streaming live on our channel, so come in. Come in with questions, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to review the entire new uh, James Debris album. Great. Also, again, coming up this Sunday, the 19th, we have Rich Wilson, the author of the uh, the Dream Theater biography, Lifting Shadows. 
And Chris, dude, this has been a great show. I'm so glad and honored to have you on and get your story out there. I mean, cool. that is like this one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. <laughs> and like, I mean, don't, you know, share that with as many people as you can. Definitely go check out chrisaken.net. Uh, he's also, you know, all of his stuff is on Amazon. I'm Brian from Talking Into Infinity. John is at the Sammy Hagar concert. John, have a great time. Yeah. And we will see you guys again coming up this Sunday at 2 p.m. Thanks.